0: em mado uk tyaskopoy na muk pnecham mendap khata pats gapshat maya and het sakin as tyaskopoy gaasis naiden na Alice, e ko tyaroy rwich sakin na gakahanas nak kyn moyen min de mem kada pat shonait najenie nak 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 um, muchísimas gracias eh, a quienes están aquí. Muchas gracias por venir. Muchísimas gracias a Asis, a um, Alice, y a todas las personas que han hecho posible que yo esté aquí. Uh, y bueno, estoy muy emocionada. Gracias por venir realmente. And uh, first of all, I would like to, to, thank, to, uh, to thank Asis and Alice uh, for inviting me uh, to this project and to this beautiful place and thank you all for being here i am very nervous and i am very excited to share some ideas about my work and for sure i I am going to to struggle with english because it's the second time i um, i had to to i have to to speak in english and to speak about these uh, complex ideas i think Uh, So, uh, thank you for your patience. I am a Mije writer. I am part of an indigenous nation in Mexico, in the south of Mexico. And uh, my native language is Mije, and uh, Mije in Mije is Ayuk, and that means the language of the forest. So I am very comfortable here in the middle of this beautiful place. And I think it's very important to share ideas in this, Context of the climate uh, crisis that humanity is facing, and it's very important to talk about the future. Uh, about not only about one future; it's only a, a, it's about the different meaning of future. And um, as writer, I write in Mije, in my native uh, language, and I'm trying to write in more collective form trying to avoid this idea of authorship, individual uh, authorship, and trying to to learn how to sing, and how to learn uh, traditional stories of the Mihe tradition, and try to learn how to use the poetic strategies of my tradition. in this context, um, that uh, um, colonialism uh, has denied us, as indigenous people, the possibility of thinking about future. Uh, colonialism has tied us to the past and tradition. I, I think that past and tradition are very important, but we need to, to, uh, to, to think about future. Uh, since we survived um, another apocalypse. Uh, like the colonialism, I think we, we have many ideas to share with uh, to, to face the next apocalypsi- that is that human is facing is uh, climate change. Um, so uh, I'm going to start with the, the presentation and uh, since I'm going to talk about indigenous and futures I want to um, invite you to think about uh, what indigenous means, the word in indigenous, what's the meaning of, of indigenous. And um, um, it's a, it is an identity category or it's a cultural category of how uh, we can know who is an indigenous people. And uh, uh, for me, it's a very complex process because when I was a child, I know I knew that I was mije, but I'm not aware that I am indigenous. Uh, because when I moved to the city, I realized, oh, okay, I am indigenous, and indigenous is not a good thing. And it's a, a, it's a process. So um, I want to... To, to ask what, if, what indigenous actually means. Um, I love words and I love the story of, the history of every word. So there are many different words involved to call us as indigenous people. One is indigenous, Indian, native, in other countries it's ab- ab- original, and there is different uh, names and different words um but the first um the first word that they that colonialists or that uh, settlers uh used to to call us was indian and uh, indian it's different from indigenous it's the same beginning of the word indi and indi but that uh, those words are not related that are very very different um so Indian is the name of a river and it's uh, very, It's beautiful to know that it's the uh, originally is the name of a river. It's a san, um, word from Sanskrit. And um, today in Oaxaca, people use uh, the word indio or Indian as an insult. And I often, I often wonder how the name of a river became an insult. And it's a very interesting story. Uh, this river is in the region that uh, today we know as India and the original word is in in Sanskrit is Sindhu and Sindhu uh, became Indos in Greek and then uh, in, in Indio in Romance languages and Spanish Indio and English Indian and uh, um, Christ, uh, Christopher Columbus thought that they, he made a mistake, and he thought he uh, arrived in India, but uh, uh, but but not it, it's just a mistake. And for that reason, they started to to call us Indian. And then, for in, in Mexico, at least for 300 years, Spaniards only use Indian, not indigenous. Indigenous is a very, it's brand new word for us. Uh, only in the 19th century, they started to use indigenous to, to call uh, us. Uh, and indigenous is from Latin. It's a very special word because uh, his, uh, its meaning depends on the, uh, the original meaning, de- de- depends on the context. Indi it's there. Ikenos is born, born there. And uh we can use, for example, people who born who uh, were born uh, in Cape Cod. It's indigenous from Cape Cod. but at the present, it's not the meaning of that word anymore uh, It's more like uh, there are some nations uh, that we call indigenous and other nations that are not indigenous. It's different uh, at the present It's a different meaning and uh, um, trying to, fig- to figure out uh, about the, the meaning of indigenous, I asked myself: This is a picture from Sami people. Sami is an indigenous nation in who uh, their territory uh, is in Norway, Finland, and Russia. And uh, I asked myself: Why are they indigenous? Uh, or what uh, features we share, why they are indigenous and why I am an indigenous woman. Um, and uh, Mije people, we love basketball, it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and why uh, are we indigenous people? We are very different. For example, I never seen the snow, and for Sami people, snow is very important. I love corn, and uh, Sami, people, uh, uh, Sami people don't eat corn, and more, uh, this is Ainu people, it's an indigenous people in Japan, <coughs> and it's the same question, why are there indigenous people, where a Sami woman, um, Ainu woman, and myself, uh, what we share to, to be named indigenous people. Um, and I am trying to answer that question. I want to know because I spend a lot of time trying to deny. I, I used to say, I am mije, but I am not indigenous. I am trying to reject that category. And since in my language there is no word for indigenous, we, ha- we have a word for mije people, it's ayuk the people who speak ayuk, who speak ayuk. And there are another word for people who are not mije, like Agats. Uh, you are Agats, <laughs> but as uh, Ainu people is Agats, <laughs> and Sapotec uh, people and uh, Cherokee people are Agats. It's not not mije. It's different from Indigenous, and. Uh, then I uh, started to think, what's the feature that we share? Uh, what's the reason be- behind uh, the concept of indigenous? And uh, when before colonialism, there, I- there, are, there were many different uh, nations, uh, we can Pueblo, nations, with territory, with different languages, languages with uh, our own history, our uh, tradition of thinking, and uh, suddenly, when the Spaniards arrived in mexico and the, the, the um, and here was the, um, the, british. Hmm? the british the british yes, and uh, suddenly we became Indian and uh, um, we have been um, if we establish the beginning of our history, for example, when we domesticated the corn for my, my people, uh, we have been Mije people for 10,000 years. It's, it's a long time mm-hmm. since then. But suddenly, we, um, we have been Indians for only uh, 500 years. And we uh, have been indigenous for only 2,000 years. It's not an essential feature of our being as Mije people. Mm-hmm. And for that reason, I think it's not an um, identity category. Because I can live as Mije without considering me indigenous. It's only for colonial period who, who uh, did, uh, colonial pe- period, uh, did it to us or categorized us as Indian. And uh, suddenly all these different languages and different histories and different territories became Indian. And in, in for a Spaniard system, uh, they create a caste, uh, a caste system, and there are very different castes: Indian, Mestizo. Criollo, Mulato, Chino, Castizo, Sambo. There were many different castes. And for national state, for Mexico national state, um, they created only two categories, Indígena and uh, Mestizo, or Mexican. And um, these different, for the Spanish, Spaniards, we were, indian and for the mexico s- uh, national state we are indigenous. it's it's a, dif- it's a different uh, way of classifi- classifying us. so i think that indigenous peoples are stateless nations that have suffered colonialism it's a political category uh, if uh, uh, if suddenly we, as mije people, decide to create a state, uh, we, uh, we will not um, be indigenous anymore. It's a, cate- a political uh, category. And uh, we ca- for that reason, we can, in the future, think in a, a future that we can stop being indigenous while still being mije, zapotec, cherokee, ainu. It's just a, uh, it's a, a category related to the nation states uh, in, the, in the world. And um, my grandmother, who spoke Mije all, all her life, uh, did not recog- recognize herself as indigenous. When I asked her grandmother, are you indigenous? Uh, she used to say, I don't know what, what that is. I am Mije people. I am not indigenous. And uh, in, um, in many indigenous languages, there, are, there uh, isn't a word for indigenous. It's different categories. So uh, the indigenous word itself is a product of colonialism. And I myself did not recognize myself as indigenous until I, I arrived in the city. Um, okay, so um, this is a uh, map who shows the distribution of languages and nations uh, around the world. And uh, there are more than 5,000 nations in the world, and every nation has a history, a territory, a language, but only uh, 200 nation states. So many nations uh, were trapped into nation states and were trapped into a nation states uh, is being indigenous. That's the meaning of that word. It's not cultural uh, cultural category. Uh, the Sami people, the Ainu people, Cherokee people, and Mihe people, uh, we uh, don't share cultural features. It's only political features. So, I think it's very important to, uh, to, to think indigenous like just a period of our history, but it's not an uh, essential feature. Um, you, can, you can see that uh, there is many different nations in Oaxaca, where I am from, and Africa and Oceania, what's the name in English from that continent? Australia? The the continent? Oh, Oceania. Oceania, okay. uh, But these different uh, languages are endangered. According to the catalogue of endangered languages of the University of Hawaii, one language dies every three months on average. It's very, very, it's, um, I am very worried about that. And according to UNESCO, uh, 50% of languages would have no speakers in uh, 100 years, in this uh, century. Um, And, uh, but why? Because every nation state is pushing us to to abandon our languages and to start to use the language of every nation state. And for that reason, for example, in Mexico, uh, Spanish is the language of the nation state, and here is English. And for that reason, people who speaks uh, who speak Spanish here uh, suffered the same situation that I am suffering in Mexico, because here Spanish is a nationless, uh, stateless language. And. Um, this extinction of world languages is related to the race of the national states. Uh, I'm going to, to say something that is very obvious, but uh, humans need to live with other humans. And the, this, uh, this, uh, is, it's necessary to coordinate this life in common. We need to coordinate. And there, is, there are many options to coordinate our life in common. One of uh, the the name of that structures that uh, allow us to coordinate our life in common are called, uh, the name is sociopolitical structures. But there are many different sociopolitical structures. For example, tribal structures, it's one of them, and um, communality structure, it's it's a word in Spanish. It's comunalidad, but it's, it's um, like com- communities. Mm-hmm. But it's it's different. It's not exactly community, but it's communality. It's different. But it's a kind of a structure. My village it's organized in that way with communal, with assembly, with assemblies in every village, and we had our our. Um, autonomous government, and it's different from the political well, from the political parties and that okay. this structure. And there is, um, there is, there are different ways to coordinate our life in common. National state is one of them, just one. But suddenly, three uh, three hundred years ago. Uh, all the world starting to co- to coordinate the life uh, using nation-state model, democracy model. Mm-hmm. But this model, uh, if there are uh, only two hundred nation states at the present. Uh, for that reason, there are many nations without a state, and it's a problem, a big problem, uh, because every state pushes the other nations to disappear, to learn new languages, new, life, uh, new way of life. Uh, so um, this, uh, this structure, uh, these social political structures, uh, has an ideological basis. Uh, for example, it's like being Mexican is an identity, and it's only a legal status. Um, because um, it's uh, the the frontiers the um, between countries are uh, set or uh, were set uh, for political reasons um, and um, if if uh, there are 50,000 languages and nations in the world and only uh, 200 nation states called countries uh, that means that most of the nation on the world are stateless, uh, stateless nations. And stated na- na- nations, uh, there are a very difficult situation in the relationship between nation states and languages. For example, the French Academy opposed uh, the recognition of regional languages in the Constitution because uh, they said that after five centuries, the French language has forged France. France, Our constitution points out in the second article the recognition of this evidence. The language of the Republic is French. There is a monolingual ideology behind every, every nation state. It's one state, one language. And in this in the United States uh, there is a movement called English Only Movement mm-hmm. and uh, it's an, an example of this politic, of these policies in Mexico uh, we have the same ta- kind of movement and they want to to recognize only Spanish as the the more important language of of Mexico. And for that reason, we have many languages without the state, stateless uh, languages. And for that reason, are disappearing. In Mexico, in the 20th century, uh, two two scholars, Jose Vasconcelos and Rafael Ramirez, designed uh, policies to uh, erase our languages, uh, indigenous languages and uh, for example in educational programs Rafael Ramirez brought letters and books uh, trying to convince the teachers to uh, to not use uh, our languages in the schools and uh, she uh, he wrote but if you to give them our science and our knowledge you speak to children in the in their indigenous language we will lose faith in you because we would have to incorporate you too into our culture again mm-hmm. you will start by using the language of children then without realizing you will take the costumes of the ethnic social group to which they belong then their lower forms of life and finally you yourself will become an indian that is one more person to incorporate into the society yeah. This I tell you is not a joke, but a serious thing. The whole life of the people is condensed into a language, so that when you learn a new language you also acquire new ways of thinking and even new ways of living. That is why I consider it's very important that you know how to teach Spanish as God commands, that is without translating into the child's language. You must be very careful so that your children not only learn Spanish but also acquire our customs and ways of life that are superior to to, to theirs if this is uh, if, if this is the official policy in mexico in the last century for that reason uh, the, there are the numbers uh and the uh, proportion uh, of uh, um, indigenous uh, speakers of indigenous languages. When the Mexican uh, Mexican nation state uh, arise in 1820, ni- the 65 percent of population spoke an indigenous languages. Many many people, and in uh, in 2010, it's only uh, six six and half percent of the population. So the state, uh, the state killed our languages, very with with our taxes actually, <laughs> using our the money, our taxes. So what is an indigenous language? Uh, our language is spoken by peoples or nation that did not form nation state and suffered colonialism, a language that are not uses, used uh, by federal government. That is the, the definition of indigenous languages. Um, like uh, a German linguist used to say, Max Weinreich, uh, indigenous languages are languages without an army and without a navy. It's again a political uh, statement. It's very important for me to repeat that it's not identity. It's not about identity. It's not about cultural futures. It's about uh, political organization um, and uh, considering the, these ideas I'm, go- I'm going to, to talk about future but uh, I want to use uh, the language diversity and uh, the metaphors we use in different languages to talk about future because uh, in the Western tradition there is um, one idea about future and about time and um, we use uh, time, uh, and uh, in in every language in the world, it's like a universally uh, it's a, a universal strategy. We as humans need to use metaf- space metaphors to talk about time. It's very difficult to think time without thinking in space. And uh, for example, in Spanish, and I think in English too, uh, time is a horizontal line. We we draw we we draw um, lines, and the future is ahead, and the past is behind. In Spanish, in Span Spanish, uh, people used to say like, uh, uh, "Forget your ex-boyfriend; he is in the past. <laughs> <laughs> you have a bright." future in front of you. <laughs> but time is not space. Time it's, uh, it's it's a different concept, but we need to use space to, to talk about time. And in Spanish, it's, it's, it's a horizontal light. But in another languages like Aymara, Aymara is an indigenous language, a language without an army behind. <laughs> in um, Peru is spoken in Peru time is a horizontal line too, but uh, since we know the past, the past is ahead and the future is behind we can see the future it's another way of 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 uh, speak about time and that is it's more logical because <laughs> past I know the past it's in front of me and I um, I don't know anything about the future, so it's it's behind, mm-hmm. uh, and it, it's it's also a line in Mihe, in my native language. Time it's a line too, but it's vertical, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and when we are talking about future, the future is above, and time uh, comes down through the bodies. It's like mem It's and I, I am just waiting for time passing through my body. <laughs> it's it's different. And in, in Spanish and in English, we use uh, movement to, uh, to to. For example, we I am going to think, but you are not going to anywhere. <laughs> it's just I am going to. It's a movement. It's a verb. Uh, about movement. <laughs> and in Spanish it's the same, it's voy a pensar. Mm-hmm. But uh, where? <laughs> you are just in your chair. <laughs> "pensando." Uh, and in Mije, uh, in another languages like uh, Zapotec, uh, the time is like a spiral. And it's uh, going in circles. So when we are talking about future, what future we are thinking about in the future of English and Spanish or Mije future or future in cycles. What is future? And for that reason, it's important the language diversity, but we can see the future, the world in different ways. And uh, it's, it's very important to me to, to talk about this. So I, uh, I want to, to talk about the future of the art and of literature, and uh, for that uh, uh, I, I, but first I want to to talk about, uh, I want to establish a difference between poetic function and aesthetic function and art and literature. Uh, A poetic function seeks to create an experience that breaks with ordinary time of language and aesthetic experiences using language. I can use a piece of wood uh, to create a sculpture or I can use wood to create a chair, for example. And I can use language to say something uh, for example, give me a cup of coffee, please, or I need more alcohol. But I can use language to create an aesthetic experience. And, uh, and that experience, of that use of language, I call poetic function. And uh, Roman Jacobson, a Russian linguist, says that the poetic function focuses on the message. Mm. The poetic function of language is to highlight the message it, itself it seeks an aesthetic effect in the use of language um, and poetic function it's different from literature poetic function it's a linguistic phenomena in all language around the world it's a temporal um, for example two thousand years ago people use poetic function and it's universal in every language uh, we can uh, found manifestations of poetic function. And literature is culturally bounded, it's historically defined, and only in some hegemonic languages. Um, uh, literature needs a social recognition system who says you are a writer. Mm-hmm. And uh, to, to Publish a book. Or publishing a book is very important. It's a, the, the most important ritual, I think, because I think I, I can say I write a, a poem every day. But if nobody read that, or if <laughs> I not publish my poems, I'm not a writer. I need social recon- recognition. Uh, there are prizes like Nobel Prize for, for literature and uh, residences like, like this <laughs> and, uh, that says you are a writer. I rec- uh, recogni- uh, recognize that you are a writer. And art and the poetic function of the manifestations is a commodity. I can go to a store and uh, buy a book uh, uh, with poems inside. Um, this is obvious, but for me, in, in my tradition, it's not obvious because I can't buy the, the poems or the songs of my tradition. It's, it's weird to think in, in buy that. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the Western tradition, oh, at the present, authorship, individual authorship, is very important. I think West uh, is obsessed with this idea (laughs) there are laws special laws a legal uh, frame to protect your rights because it's a commodity and it's it's weird if you think about it and there are laws protecting property rights and the artworks are closed if i want to i don't know to change To change uh, one paragraph of this book, maybe uh, what's the author Ben uh, can uh, I can got get a call from his lawyers because (laughs) I am changing her art, and uh, there is uh, also a relationship between literature and capitalism. Uh, Christina Rivera-Garza and John Gillery argues the relationship between literature and the bourgeoisie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's it's important to point out this because literature is the um, poetic function of the bourgeoisie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the manifest- manifestation. But there are many different systems. For example, <clears throat> in the... I, I left this in Spanish, sorry, but uh, <laughs> we need rituals to know what piece of um, text of, or what piece of language are literature or are poetic. Uh, for example, in literature, writing is very important. Uh, you, we use the word writer to mm-hmm. name an artist who uh, works with language. But in my tradition, in Mihe tradition, writing is not important. It's memory, and for that reason uh, they call it oral tradition. But it's not about oralization, it's about memory. Uh, our piece of paper, or our screen, uh, it's our memory. It's like a, a piece of, of paper when we create uh, poetical pieces. But for literature, uh, writing it's very important. And uh, in literature, uh, the authorship is individual authorship. It's very important to, to, to know that information. But in Mihe tradition, it's collective property. No, nobody can uh, say who is the authorship of the, our uh, mythology, our uh, traditional stories. There is no no author no individual authorships. We know that it's Mije, but it's a collective authorship. And uh, in um, literature publication or pu- to publish, it's very important. It's uh, like a ritual, and there is presentations, and there are alcohol, and <laughs> and it's it's like if you think about like a ritual you can, like anthropologists, uh, you can describe. And in this point, the author is uh, in the table with uh, his friends, and uh, they present the book and then drink alcohol. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, in that moment, you you become an author, Mm -hmm. uh, a writer. But in Miha tradition, it's the age and uh, if you are related to rituals, to our religion, mm-hmm. and for example, as a linguist, I know the strategy, the strategies to um, uh, to build a poetical text, and I know, but I am not old enough to do that. Uh, nobody will ask to me to to do some ritual and use poetical text. Uh, the, the age is, is very important. And um, the um, there are many different versions of one piece, art, uh, or one poetical piece. For example, there are many different uh, versions of the legend about a traditional hero called Kondoi. There are many different versions of the same the, f- the same story uh, but there there isn't there aren't many different versions of this book it's one one version but in Miha Mije, in, in Mije tradition there are many different at the same time in uh, one version uh, the hero by a car in another version uh, by golden and another version gold and another version by um uh, Volkswagen, <laughs> a car, and, it's, it's, and they are, at the same time, different. Uh, so, uh, in our tradition, we need social recognition. There, are, uh, there is a social recognition system, but this, uh, if I am um, involved in traditional rituals, in our religions, I can use that poetic, poetic words, uh, that poetic construction. I need to be related to rituality, the property, it's collective property, as it's open. These manifestations are open. I can... Um, it's like jazz, actually. Uh, and it's interdisciplinary development. Uh, because music is involved. Uh, the voice is involved. Dance is involved. It's not just poetry, like in in... Uh, in the Western tradition. I can uh, read a poem by myself in solitude here in the barn. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in Mihe tradition we need a ritual, we need music, uh, we need uh, uh, a person who, who sing the, uh, the, the text, the oral text. And uh, it is different. And uh, for I, I, I was uh, reading about the interdisciplinary development of art eh, for Western tradition it is very new, but uh, it's very it's a new idea. And I think, but for me, that's traditional, <laughs> too much, too traditional. Um, and the, there are specialists to exercise the poetic function. In every tradition, there are communal specialists who tell the stories or sing poetry. And there is a special name for that in, in, in Western is a writer, a poet. But and uh, the pastime in it's bard In Africa, jelly, minstrel, juggler. There are different uh, names for that. And there are different cultural requirements. Uh, for example, ritual, age, gender. In the Mayo tradition, only women can can uh, um, create poetry. It's it's interesting. Uh, men are not allowed to to do that. <laughs> 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 but in other tradition, only only men. It's, it's <laughs> but uh, Pai Pai. It's an indigenous nation in Baja California, in the north of the country, and uh, when we were uh, I went there to record the traditional stories of Pai Pai because uh, there are only 20 persons who speak Pai Pai, it's it's very endangered, and uh, they use poetic function only in winter. When I asked, from, uh, "Can we? Uh, can you uh, tell us a story, a traditional story?" and they answered, uh, "We can't because we are in summer." And I said, "Why?" <laughs> uh, and uh, they say, "Because uh, snakes uh, get angry and they can bite us. We need to to uh, to wait until winter, uh, until w- winter arrives." Uh, and I suddenly realized that I understand why. Because uh, in summer there are a lot of work to do, we, and uh, in winter it's it's very cold. Winter uh, we can spend time uh, um, with fire in in the middle of the house and uh, and told that stories, and it's very interesting. It's like there are there is a specific season to tell the traditional corpus or the traditional corpora of of, of stories and there are different strategies in the western tradition metaphors are very very important (laughs) he he wrote a book about the strategies to convert language into something poetic uh, that Called poetic the poetic Aristotles and uh, but in different language there are many st- different strategies to to convert everyday language into poetic uh, la- uh, poetic um, piece of work and in Miha tradition repetition is very very important as you can see I am <laughs> repeat and repeat again the same information because uh, when I uh, for example, if I uh, I am uh, telling a story, the most important part of a story, uh, I need to repeat it three times, and uh, it's uh, if, if you repeat three times, it's it's beautiful than if you don't uh, if you uh, don't do that, and uh, we use phrases, and phrases is as important for, uh, to us as metaphors for the Western tradition. And diphrasism is like this. Uh, in the non-poetical level, turn it's a verb, and that means to sit down. And tan, it's to stand up. Hukyat is to live in a non-poetical level. But if I want to use in poetic level, I can uh, combine turn with tan. And uh, that means live. I am sitting down. I am stand up, and uh, that means to live. And uh, another example: it's to melt, tar it's to rain, and is to cry. In non-poetical level, but in poetical level, uh, I can combine hui with tar. And that means to cry, but in poetic level. And there are many, many of these disguising and are very poetic. And uh, I am, um, I am trying to, to write about these strategies, and trying to to learn how to to construct that because it's, it's difficult. But uh, I'm not. Uh, I need to uh, to get elder. To use that <laughs> in the every, in, in the rituals and the genres in uh, literature uh, we have uh, novel and poetry and different genres but also in our tradition we have different gen- genres uh, poetic genres like in Zapotec it's a indigenous language from Oaxaca there are four different genres. Libana, it's like traditional discourses. It's not exactly the, that, but the jagola, like proverbs, Ryunda, poems and songs, and the uh, stories or traditional stories, and we have uh, our our classification. And uh, since the um, our uh, our poetry. Our liter- literature, or our manifestations of poetic function, are open and we can change every time we want. Uh, it's very similar to the, the jazz music. The jazz, uh, the Marshall McLuhan said that the jazz musician used all the techniques of oral poetry empathic identification with all the oral modes it's not difficult in our century because when i uh, when i listen to like uh, autumn lips every time i listen is different because the improvisation change the that piece that that song uh, that music but it's the same at the same time it's like uh, our stories it's the same situation with our stories every time uh, when um, a person tell the story change something it's the same st- the structure it's the same story but it's not the same story every every time is changing and uh, for example Anaceli Palma is the granddaughter of a very famous singer Taraumara singer Raramori singer an indigenous nation in the north of Mexico and she brought about uh, her grandfather's work and she says the the Raramuri writer, it's not writer because uh, they don't use writing, but um, the Raramuri writer does not imagine himself as a writer. His first job is to sing and singing is a community act whose service no one questions because it's as necessary as any other. And that is very important, yeah. but here in the Western tradition, a writer and poet are very special persons. <laughs> uh, but we as uh, every uh, society needs, um, needs a doctor and an engineer and poets <laughs> who, who sing and who can curate our souls. Uh, so uh, in uh, another tradition, like Mije tradition, um, poetry is related to cure, to curation. When it's uh, related to rituals, to weddings, uh, to funerals, and we can uh, listen to poetry or Mije poetry in those contexts. And. Um, it's it's very very important for the everyday life. Uh, in the with COVID, oh, this uh, uh, pandemic, uh, that was very sad because uh, the elder can um, is um, are not allowed to go to the funerals. So um, many people uh, was buried without poetry, and that's why well, that was very very sad for us. And uh, for that reason, um, poetry has a social function in our societies. Um, In Western too, but it's different. It's very related to capitalism and to commodities. It's art as commodity. And um, when we talk about other futures, Um, Can we talk about a future in which the poetic function is not marked by capitalism, colonialism, and patriarchy? And uh, in Western tradition or poetic function or literature, uh, can we return to poetic function without uh, literature? I, I, I want I, I think that we can do that again because, for example, Homer, the, the Iliad, what's, how do you pronounce it? The Iliad. Uh, the Iliad was um, built uh, in, uh, inside another structure, more in poetic function. Um, one famous uh, epic poem called the Poema de Miocit in Spanish. It's anonymous, but anonymous is a code word for collective authorship. (laughs) And uh, um, I think it's important to think in these futures. And for that reason, uh, we can think about indigenous futurism uh, without indigenous category, just different nations, without nation states. And uh, Afrofuturism is a very important movement here, and uh, I Um, It's important to think about the future, trying to imagine a world without capitalism and without patriarchy, and without colonialism. But it's difficult (laughs) to to think about. But I think uh, in the future we can uh, think about uh, collective futurism, collective aesthetics without individual authorship and poetic function without capitalism. And uh, I am trying, uh, I am involved in a collective called Colmix. It's, uh, and we are trying to write and to use our memory as piece of paper and trying to create uh, poetry uh, without authorship. And uh, it's very interesting, and uh, we think it's important to do that, to, to think that we can create art without, uh, be, uh, be, uh, without converting it into a commodity. Um, and I am uh, thinking about collective poetic manifestations, and poetic manifestation that not become commodities, uh, collective authorship, and creation related to a specific ecosystems. And um, I think it's important because uh, if I want to use another uh, tradition, I can uh, use it like mm, only like resources, cultural resources. And I appropriate that uh, traditions to my, and to to translate it into commodity. And it's dangerous. And um, for that reason, I try uh, to to create in collective always. Uh, And we don't uh, use our names in that uh, creations. And now uh, I and uh, we are trying to to use our memory because in Western schools memory is like you you need to understand not only uh, learn something by by heart but for us it's very important to know to, to learn uh, different things by heart because uh, our memory are important to us and. Um, um, this is the the disco Muchas gracias. Thank you. Wow. It's so a so idea. So a lot. the idea about the picture. <laughs>